Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your amazing love goes deep, far and wide. It uh, is uh, limitless. It can't be exhausted. It can't be pushed so far that it snaps. You are not surprised. You're not, you're not taken without resource. It's incredible, amazing. And it's wrapped in the gift of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love that he gives us. And, and so we embrace that this morning, you this morning, Lord Jesus. And now, as we come to uh, share together, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts and minds. We open up our hearts and our minds to hear what you would want from your word, the Bible. May it jump out the page. May it speak to our spirits. May it not only be something that I um, attain in my mind and understand, but have a transforming power in my heart and achieve those things that you want it to achieve this morning, Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn to uh, the letter to the Ephesians in chapter 6 for a moment or two. And uh, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 14. I'm taking the theme of stand up this morning. And... uh, That's the theme that we're taking this morning, stand up and making a stand. And what does that mean? And we've been looking a few weeks at this series up, you know, waking up, standing up, um, looking up, taking up. Last week, Andrew took the theme of take up. And uh, so let's have a look at this. So in verse 13, we read these words. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Verse 14, stand firm then. And it goes on to say, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place. And so there's a number of other things that we're encouraged to do. To stand. Stand up. Make your stand. Stand firm. And uh, on three occasions there, in just those few words, Paul encourages Christians just like you and me. There'll be times in our life when, as a Christian, we're called to stand up. We'll be called to take our stand, to make a stand, to stand out, perhaps, from the crowd from time to time. There'll be a time in our lives when we'll be called to do that. And Paul is saying that to uh, some Christians in, in a place called Ephesus, which is now on the coast of Turkey, uh, it was on the coast of Turkey then. It wasn't called Turkey. It was called Asia Minor. But now we, people go on holiday to, to Turkey, that same area. Um, there is a picture a few years ago that went viral on uh, the internet. It was tweeted. It was on all social media and uh, thousands and thousands of times. And uh, you may have seen it, but it, it's, um, it's of a, uh, a shipyard. And you might not realize this, but it, it's, it goes back to 1936, 1937. And it's of a German shipyard. And all of the workers, mainly men, but there were some women in this photo, hundreds of, hundreds of, it's a black and white photo. And uh, it was a, a time at a German shipyard, around about 1936, 37. The Nazi party were in power at that time, just beginning to rise to power. And in this shipyard, a ship is being commissioned. And the camera is a, ca- is a, a photograph of all the workers in the shipyard. And... Uh, maybe five, six, seven hundred people, and they're all doing the salute, the Nazi salute. And if you look very carefully, and it's been highlighted, there is one worker who's standing there like this, with his arms folded. 
And uh, all the others are doing the Nazi, you know, the Sikh heart, the Nazi salute. And it, it's been highlighted. It went viral because people were saying, hey, that's courage. That's standing up. That's standing out. The, the, the worker's name, it's alleged, is a man called August Landmesser or Landmiser. And he was a member of the Nazi party himself, actually. And uh, in the early days of the, Nas- the German Socialist and Nas- Nationalist Party, and um, he fell in love with a Jewish woman, and they had children, and the Nazi party were beginning to frown upon that, and he was sort of thrown out the Nazi party. And so he's making a point. It's incredible. It, the, if you look on uh, the internet, you'll find it's been highlighted. He's been circled, and he's standing there like this. I mean, that's courage. And everyone around him is doing the Sikh Hull, the Nazi salute, and one or two people are actually looking at him like this, and he's standing there as if to say, go on then. It's incredible, standing up, standing out. And uh, it went viral because people said, you know, what, what courage? And it had been discovered and, and people were saying, oh, you know, that's my uncle or that's my dad. And, and it's based in Hamburg in Germany. It takes courage to stand up sometimes because when you stand up, you stand out. It takes courage sometimes. People say, oh, I don't, I don't know if I could say that. I, you know, at work, when somebody said, you know, everyone at work is saying this. And as a Christian, if I said that, they think I'm a right nutter. Or do you really believe that? Or do you, do you really go to church? Or do you really believe the Bible says that? And it all stories. And we, see, we think it takes, it takes a bit of courage to stand up and say something or live something or be something at time, from time to time. Because when we stand up, you stand out. Uh, um, uh, a philosopher and writer by the name of Edmund Burke wrote this over a hundred years ago. He said this, the only thing, it was a political commentator at the time, he said this, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. The only thing for evil to triumph to multiply is for good men. He meant good men and men. It's is, is in a different era, wasn't it? He didn't think politically correct in those days. He meant men and women. For people, good people, the only thing for evil to triumph, he said, was his observation on life was, and that was over, over 110, 120 years ago, was for good people to do nothing. It takes courage to stand up from time to time. <clears throat> you know, it's, we, we live in a, an interesting world, a wonderful world, but also it's a, interesting times. We live in an age of the me, my, and I, the age and era in which we live, where the individual is paramount, where, you know, it's my needs, my life, my decision, what I want, and there's, there's nothing wrong in your rights. There's absolutely nothing wrong in that. But it's of such an extreme today that we would pander more to us, ourselves. Now, the danger with that is, and it's not wrong to have that feeling initially, but if we continue in that, it makes us become very insular. We just think of ourselves. If you add to that in the age in which we live, that we live in a consumer society, things, stuff, I've talked a lot about this, so I'm not going to wax lyrical for too long, um, it can make us passive spiritually. The age in which we live is very much me, my, and I, my rights, so it can make us feel quite insular. You know, so people will say, oh, it's not, oh, well, that's their opinion. They can say what they like. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to step on their toes. Me, I just keep to myself. The danger is we become very insular. In life, we won't say anything to anyone. I'll be stepping on their toes. I'm just concerned about me, what I do. And what I do doesn't affect anyone else. There's a real danger in the me, my, and I philosophy of life that we live in today that is making us, even as Christians, become very much, oh, I bet I won't say anything about that. I won't do anything about that. 
I won't go anywhere with that. And also, in this society that we live in, which is consumer-based, we live in a society that spend more to get out of trouble, so we need to buy more and spend more. It's called consumerism. Consumerism makes us become quite passive spiritually because we're always getting things to feed our nature all the time. And so there's a danger in the Western world. I say it's a potential danger if we don't watch ourselves as Christians, is that we imbibe, because we're living in and it's in Western Christianity... When you compare it to what is called the third world, the third world is not the third world. Spiritually, the third world is now the first world. But in the Western world, we live in this sort of me, my, and I, and consumer sort of culture that in the Western world, there's a danger for Christians that we can become insular and passive. And I took a long time to get there, but that's the danger. It's something we just need to be aware of uh, that in our Western society, and even though we love God, we profess to read the Bible, we'll go to church and we'll worship and we'll love him, we can imbibe this very much insular, I'll do my thing, and we become, if we don't watch it, become sort of quite passive spiritually. Now, Halloween, or Hallow's Eve, Halloween last night, the 31st of October, is, a, is a, not only is it a dark season, because it's the, it, the days are now shorter, from here on in they start to get longer gradually in, uh, as time goes by, as we approach, we're now in winter, we're approaching British summertime in the future. Um, but it's dark. But it's not only dark because of the, the season that we're in, but it's dark in the occult calendar, or Hallows, uh, Halloween is the high, called a sabbat in witchcraft. And it's a dark night. Uh, and it's interesting because I find that Jesus is the light of the world. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 5, we read that Jesus is the light and he shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome him or he extinguishes the darkness. It's John 1, 5. Now, this is the thing. The thing that I understand is that Jesus is the light of the world. The world in which we live in at times can be a dark place, although it's a wonderful and a beautiful place. So we need to be the light. You and I, we are called to be light. Jesus is the light. He lives in our lives as Christians and he wants to shine in our lives and through our lives wherever we go. And so when we talk about standing up and standing up, it's not standing up on my soapbox and talking down to people and telling them what to do, but it's standing amongst and in the world in which I live in the love and light of Christ and being a light wherever I go. And I would say as the days get darker, the church needs to become brighter. If you turn on a light, it extinguishes the darkness. John 1 and 5 is an amazing verse. And so, in your home, if you're a dad or a husband, we're called to stand up. We're called to stand and be light in my family, to live and be Christ. Love, generosity, forgiveness, mercy. If I'm a wife, a mum, a caregiver, a single parent, no matter where we stand, we're called to be life and light and love and forgiveness and mercy. That's standing up. That's being the light and life of Christ. Where I work with our boss, with our colleagues, we're called to be people that stand and stand up, wake up and make a stand. And that is be light and life and love and mercy and hope. We're called to be those things, all that Christ is. In my community, we don't just stay in this lovely building and pack it out with lots of great Christians, which is good, but we will be dispersed into our community, our neighborhood, work and area, and we're called to be light, life, hope, love and mercy and be those things wherever I go. That's how we can be the light of the world and stand up. It's interesting that what we've just read in Ephesians chapter 6 
there's a, in those few verses, that Paul the Apostle speaks about standing and standing against evil and the evil one. It's interesting in those verses there. Again and again, three times he says, stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. And then he says, stand firm then. And then he lists a number of things which we call the the armor of God. But he speaks of truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. They're all the qualities of Jesus Christ. He speaks of the, in those things that we're to stand. What are we to stand in? We're to stand in truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, knowing and living the word of God and all the things that Jesus encourages us to do. He said things like love your neighbor. He said things like love your enemy. Bless those that curse you. We're called to be those people that stand in the things that Jesus is and who he is and be that wherever we go. So important is that for Paul that he says, remember, the only reason or the only necessity for evil to triumph is that good people do nothing. We're called to be light and life and make our stand, as it were, in Christ and stand in Christ. So when I say about making a stand, immediately the danger, and I alluded to earlier on, is that we can think about, like I'm now, I'm standing up here right now, but we stand on a soapbox, or we climb up on our high horse and start telling to everybody, I'm not saying that you're at work, you see somebody take some paper clips and you go, Oi, you, paper clips, stealing, thou shalt not steal. It's not what we're saying. It's standing on your soapbox, isn't it? That's being judgmental, isn't it? But making a stand is, uh, is about showing Christ in love and hope and forgiveness and mercy and being Christ. Many, many years ago, many, many years ago now, I won't tell you how long ago because I'll start giving away how old I am. But when I, I worked on a, an electronics production line, I never forget just becoming a Christian. I'd only been a Christian about six months. And uh, my friends and colleagues used to tell some pretty near-the-edge jokes, let's put it that way. No imagination needed. And some of the stuff they talked about the night before and laughed about that I would have laughed about before I became a Christian. And then when I became a Christian, six months later, it wasn't as if, doing I had changed. But in my heart and life, I had this understanding that, do you know what? The Holy Spirit in me, Jesus now in me, because if we're in Christ, Christ is in us, that I need to now begin to show this sense of new life, of Jesus, of love, of mercy, of hope, of holiness. Of... And so I just stopped laughing when I was around my friends. They used to look at me as if... And then when I went out to the production line, and some, and some of the ladies on the production line, not being sexist, but uh, on where I would go. And I was on the, t- at the uh, test department, and some of the things that we'd laugh, they'd laugh about and they were saying and, and joke over... I didn't laugh. And uh, it got to a stage where um, there some of my mates, they said, Adrian, what's going on? You know, what, you know, you're a bit of a killjoy. And I explained to them where I was coming from. I said, but I still mixed with my friends. I still laughed about other stuff, but not the stuff that was dirty, filthy, really. It was filthy stuff, really. So I didn't stand on my soapbox. But you know what happened? At first, they got worse. They got worse for a little while. And I thought, flipping egg. They started calling me all sorts of things, like, the Messiah is coming. 
That might be a quite good thing, wouldn't it? <laughs> One guy called me, here comes John the Baptist. Sean, this is true. Um, as the months went by, you see, I still mixed with people. I still tried to be a friend. Uh, I actually got beside other friends. And I laughed at stuff that wasn't dirty. And, and I could still make jokes about other stuff. Do you know what happened? Uh, give it a year and a half, other people started to come back to me and started to respect me. You see, there's something about making a stand, not on your soapbox, but by being. What did Paul say? Make your stand in truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace of grace, of mercy, of faith, of salvation, of living out what Jesus said. He said to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. If we're going to make our stand as dads and husbands, we're to love. I'm just picking out husbands this morning because I happen to be a husband. But uh, there's all aspects of life that we're called to live the life, in other words. Okay, moving on swiftly then. Um, There's a story in the Bible about a man who makes a stand, who stands up. His name is David, and he takes on a... I'm not going to go through it in detail, but in, 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 uh, just as an example, to give you an example of a stand. Um, in in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'm not going to read the whole story, but just so you know that I'm not making it up, it's in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 17. There's a story of a man called David, and he uh, takes on a... a, a a giant of a man called Goliath. And in the ancient world, when armies fought against each other, they'd stand and face each other. And because so they didn't lose too many people and too much bloodshed in battle, they send out a champion. They choose a champion from each side, send them out and fight, and whoever won the battle, that army would then give in to that, that side. <clears throat> if you've ever seen the film Troy or something like that, the, the, uh, the guy Achilles, there's a, there's a big fight and the champions come out. It's the same sort of idea. So David... Uh, goes one day, he's visiting his brothers, he's a, he's a li- little, uh, little lad, but a, a, so the Bible says a very handsome young man, but the youngest in his family, two or three of his brothers, I think three of his brothers are in the Israelite army. This man, Goliath, this champion, comes out and is cursing the Israelite army. They're standing facing each other. And uh, David's going along and says one day, why is this guy, Goliath, this champion, cursing everybody? And everybody was shaking in their boots. They were too afraid to take on this killing machine called Goliath. So David then says to them, I'll do it. I'll do it. He didn't say it like that, but you know, I'm just sort of paraphrasing the story. And the story goes that he tries on the king's armor and he's not been trained as a fighting man. He's just a young boy. He just looks after sheep. But what he does have is he has a sling. And in the ancient East, that's another story, but a sling was a very powerful thing, but that's another story. But he has this sling and he picks up some stones. And the the thing is this, he goes out to fight a battle against this giant and the giant says to him, who are you? Who am I? Am I a dog that this this little lad is coming out to me with stones and a stick? He wasn't a trained soldier, you see, David. And then David says, I I might be a little lad, but I come against you in the strength of God. That's the gist of the story. And with his sling, whack. And it says that the large rock, wasn't a little pebble, embeds itself in Goliath's head and he falls to the floor dead and he chops off his head. Great story. (laughs) Don't tell the children that one. Just before they're about to go to sleep. But um, courage. So people say, whoa, look at David. Look at the courage of the guy. Great courage. What about August Landmeister, the guy I told you about, who stood there with his arms like that. He was a bit of a David against the Goliath, wasn't he? Yeah. 
takes courage because you stand out, don't you? And David, what courage? Courage has nothing to do with your stature, but it's got everything to do with the spirit, the spirit of God in us. You know, standing up, standing out, living the life, living for Jesus Christ, being a dad, being a real dad, being a real husband, being a wife, being a real mum, whatever we're called to do, being a son, being a daughter, living for God, living on the, at work, standing, standing in God when, when we're encouraged at work to cut corners and say, you know, I'm going to live for God. You're dealing with life takes courage at times because it, you stand out. But it's got nothing to do with our stature, nothing to do with our learning. David didn't have that much learning. He wasn't a trained soldier. He was just a little guy, but he was good at what he did do. It's got everything to do with the spirit. So David says, you come against me, said Goliath. But David said, I come against you in the name of the God Almighty. It's all about the spirit. And for you and I, if we're going to make a stand, if we're going to live for God, if we're going to be light, it's not to do with my stature. It's not about how much I know about the Bible. It's not about how big I am as a, a person. If I'm, you know, I'm really learned. I'm, I'm charismatic. I'm really good at doing things. I'm really good with people. Or it's nothing to do with that. It's not about stature. It's about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus in us, God in our lives, and it's the how we stand in God in the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, for you and me, it's about how I stand up in life and live the life in God in the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. It's all about the heart, you see. It's all about your heart and my heart. Where is your heart? What's in your heart? Who has your heart this morning? Because with David, it says that God said of David, he's a man, David, this young man. It's interesting. He's a man after my own heart. God also said this to a man called Samuel, who was a prophet, choosing the next king. And he went and looked at all of the strong, charismatic people. God said, no, no, not that son, not that son. He said, it's this one, the youngest one, the one who was the youngest and didn't look like a king, who turned out to be David. God said this to Samuel, um, people, men, people look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. Something about our hearts We need to be captured. We need to be filled completely with a sense of living for Jesus Christ. You see, the the danger is today we've exchanged churchianity for Christianity. Christianity is about Christ. It's about relationship with Jesus Christ. Churchianity is about the seat, the lighting, the sound, the music. The revival, the teaching, the pastor, the God channel is about this or about that. That's called churchianity. And there's a fine line between Christianity and churchianity. We have more relationship with other stuff than we do with Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ whom we relate to. It's Jesus Christ whom we follow. It's Jesus Christ who we live for. It's the Jesus who lives in us and we walk with him and living his life by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And if we can follow Jesus and live for Jesus, then we can change the world. We really can. We can change because he changes everything. He changes everything. I don't have to do anything. He does it by the power of his spirit and his grace working in me. But I've got to have an open heart. And I've said this again and again, and God says it to my heart. If you can only open up your heart to him, open up a heart to God, open up a heart to the Holy Spirit, open up a heart to Jesus Christ, that's all that's needed. He can do anything. If you think that you're the worst person, you've tripped up, you always trip up, you're not good enough, you make mistakes, you're far from God, just open up your heart. Nothing is too difficult for him. He could do that through a young man called David. He can do that through you and me. 
So the key to standing is Christ in our hearts. It's a relationship. This is so simple. It's making the main thing the main thing. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's good. We talk about being planted in your local church, giving your life to a local church. Absolutely believe that. But it's not even about the church. It's about Jesus. It's about Christ. He's the one we relate to. So you notice our songs are about Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But it's not just believing in our heads. It's having him in our hearts and living with him in our lives by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. So, not my stature or lack of it, it's about him. So this morning, are we going to stand? This morning, today, are we going to stand up? Are we going to open up our hearts? Are we going to open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit? Are we going to open up our hearts to Jesus Christ? That's what it means to stand, to live, to let him live in us and through us, in our marriages, in our homes, in our relationships with our children, the way we parent, the way we relate to people, the way we relate in church, in my community, the way I work, who I am. Are we going to let Jesus change our lives so that we become more like him? We become light. We need to know him. Are we going to stand? Are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to have his full reign in our lives? hearts. Let's pray together. With this we close. Uh, The guys are going to come back. We're going to sing something in response. A song called The Stand uh, written by uh, Hillsong Church and it's all about making our stand in God. Let's pray. It's easy for me to talk about this you could say. It might be harder for you in your family and at your home. Remember it's not about standing on your soapbox. It's about standing in Christ. It's not about judging others and pointing the finger and talking down to people. It's about rubbing shoulders with people, beside people, in Christ, with Jesus in our lives. If you're a Christian, it says we're in Christ. The Holy Spirit's now in us, with us. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way. It's about having an open heart and an open mind and allowing Jesus to have his way in our lives. The power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're a Pentecostal charismatic church. We believe in the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. How good is that? Jesus said, I won't leave you alone. Send the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you. He's like me. He'll convict you, strengthen you, walk with you, help you. How amazing is that? We're not left alone. We're not left powerless. We can stand in Christ. Maybe at work you're having a hard time. Maybe your boss is giving you grief because you're not doing the things that he's saying you should do or she is saying that you should do. And you're finding that, hey, you know, this isn't ethical. I need to... We're going to pray that we can stand in the love and the power and the righteousness of Christ with faith and hope. Maybe in family and home, you're finding it difficult in marriage and life. Then let's stand in love and forgiveness and ask Jesus to heal and work in our life. That's called standing. Paul says, when you've done everything, stand. It's the Holy Spirit in us. Let's stand together, folks. Heavenly Father, this morning, we open up our hearts and minds to you. I pray, there's such a great crowd of people here today. Not just because they're here today, but just you love everyone here right now. You know respecter of person. You don't think better of one and less of another. Whether we're here for the first time or we've been here 50 years. You just look at our hearts. You're not looking at the outside and you just say, I love you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believe in him 
shall not perish but add everlasting life. So all you do is you call us to believe. I believe in you, Jesus. I give my life to you. I open my heart to you. I welcome you. I want to live for you. Holy Spirit, for some of us, we are struggling. There's stuff in my life. I'm tripping up. I've got anger. I've got rage. I've got addictions. I've got hurts. I've got sicknesses. Oh, we open our hearts so that we might stand in the power of your love and your light and your forgiveness and grace. There's such a lot of mercy here. There's such a lot of love here available. It comes from your heart. There's such a lot of forgiveness here. There's a well that's so deep, so wide, that can just flow to every heart and mind here. People that aren't even here, it's going to touch. Oh, going to stand some of us can't get up because our legs are weak so in the spirit we're standing in the spirit realm even if we're seated right now because of sickness we're standing in our hearts it's not my stature it's not my ability it's not my strength I can be weak physically and yet strong in the heart strong in the mind and spirit it's about your spirit within me so come and have your way in our hearts Holy Spirit Jesus, forgive us if we've lived an insipid Christian life. I want to be on fire for you. Come into our marriages. Come into my life as a dad, a husband. Come into our lives as a wife, as a mum. Come into our life as children, sons, daughters. Come into our life as grandparents. Come into our lives as workers, managers, bosses co-workers, come into our lives as department leaders, as friends come into our lives in community come and have your way let's sing these words together